Welcome to the Midlife Rise and Thrive podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sarah Poldney. If you have been wondering how to feel your best in mind, body, and spirit as you navigate through midlife, then this is the show for you. Each week, I'm sharing accessible education, heartfelt stories, and exclusive interviews. We will be talking about everything from health and wellness to sex and relationships and the many challenges and opportunities that come with midlife. It's time to take charge and live fully with intention as you write your next chapter. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to welcome Fitz Kohler of fitsness.com to the show today. Fitz is the author of multiple books, including My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong, and The Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. Noisy, bossy, and compelling, she is one of America's most exciting keynote speakers, a premier race announcer, a fitness innovator, and a bona fide cancer crusher. Her company, Fitness International, has a global reach as Fitz is a regular on television, radio, and stages worldwide. I thought I would invite Fitz on to share her story. It's so compelling. And insights for our listeners, cancer is a scary diagnosis, and hearing survivors' success stories are so important. Not only did Fitz survive cancer, but she's thriving. Welcome, Fitz, and thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you for having me, Sarah, and hello to all your people. <laughs> Well, I would love for us to start with you just sharing your story of how you came to the place that you are right now after having cancer. Yeah, well, I've spent my entire life as uh, doing fitness, like exercising and being in athletics and, I don't know, living a high quality life when it comes to health and fitness, right? And then I started teaching fitness right before I turned 15. So it's all I've ever done. It's the thing I'm most passionate about. And I, you know, the thing that I believed in when I was 14 and 15, I thought, wow, this is really pretty impressive stuff and it has the power to change your world. I believe even more so now. I have a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences. And, you know, I've taught fitness in every every level, every arena. And I just, oh, I'm so desperate's not the good word, but I'm so passionate about getting other people to see that and do that. You know, fitness is free. It's attainable for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how much money you have, what color you are. It's this thing. We can all move our bodies. If we're blessed to be able to move our bodies, and if you can't move your body, all you wish for is to be able to move your body. You really appreciate movement if you can't. And we can all choose healthy food and sleep well, and then we can all have those incredible outcomes, right? So being a believer in what you do is very important. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019 and I never had the why me moment. You know, some people were like, but you're the fitness queen. How could you get cancer? And I've always thought, well, there's all these babies in the hospital with cancer. And what did they do? They didn't do anything. They just have it. And so maybe, maybe I've done something or been to a place in my life that made that one cell go rogue, but never had the why me moment. I just decided, even though I was grief stricken, I was scared all of those things. The most important part of my story is that I made good decisions. You know, I decided I was going to control the things that I could. I couldn't control at that moment the fact that I had cancer. I made choices. I, I chose brilliant doctors who recommended 
15 months of chemotherapy and 33 rounds of radiation and surgery. And, and I took their recommendations, but then I had other decisions to make. You know, was I going to make a bald head force me to hide out? Was I going to hide under wigs? Was I going to do those things? Was I going to shut down shop, close my business? Or was I going to keep going? And I just decided to keep going. Cancer was going to steal my hair. It was going to steal some of my good feelings and it did, but I just decided F it. This is the thing I love. These are the people I want to be with. Those that I serve at these mega running events or my keynote presentations. And I was going to get on those planes. I boarded about 30 planes bald out of Gainesville, Florida and Mm. decided to keep going. And it was punishing. It was brutal. I was Imagine the sickest you've ever been, like digestively. Imagine being that way for 15 months. It was a bear. It was hard. However, the fact that I chose to go to those start lines of the Los Angeles Marathon or Buffalo Marathon or, you know, or OC Marathon, whatever it was, even if I would sleep on those hotel bathroom floors the night before, because that's apparently the only way to stop the world from spinning is just get real down on the ground next to a toilet bowl. That's That's a tactic we've all used before, but I would get up at 4 a.m. and get dressed and drag myself over to the start line. And then that's when miracles happen. That's when absolutely everything that was wrong with me would disappear. When I was on a stage, whether speaking or announcing, I wasn't sick. I wasn't tired. I wasn't suffering. Things didn't hurt. I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again. And that was a pretty phenomenal experience. It's one of those things where I look back and I think, I wish I had a research team to study me, but it's not a secret. It's passions. The things that you love most, no matter what is going on in your life, whether it's cancer or you've got kids at school and at baseball practice, or you're getting married or you're getting fired, whatever it is, you have to do the things that you love, whether it's music or art or football, I don't, I don't care, whatever it is, if you do those things, your life will be better. Your moments will be better. Your your overall experiences, your mindset will be better. And so I really benefited from some just brilliant decisions, pat myself on the back up front. But, uh, but yeah, there's no marvel in me. I'm not a superhero. I'm just a regular girl who chose wisely. And even though I suffered greatly, I was able to come out of cancer better than I was before it. And my business tripled during cancer. And I think life is so much better now because even though I had a good perspective before, wow, a few weeks ago, I had my washer and dryer die on the same day, which is (laughs) crazy. And my treadmill and my radiator and the starter of another car. And all I could think was, it's not cancer. So this is a good day, right? Like, I'll replace them. I'll, I'll work to repair those things that are broken, but it's not cancer. And when it's not cancer, everything else on every other day is fantastic. Yeah, I love that story. And so I'm so excited to get into it with you. We had chatted briefly before we started recording and thought that the place to start with the podcast episode would be talking a bit about making sure that you focus on the things that you can control and why that's important because there's so much that we can control. There's so many things we can't. So I'd love for you to expand on that. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think it's a very female phenomenon, right? And boy, do I love men. I'm one of those merit-based people. So I love men as much as I love women, but we all have our strengths and we all have our quirks. And I think with women, we try to control too much. We, We work so hard to make sure life is perfect for our children and perfect for our spouse. And 
perfect, perfect, perfect. And not all of those things are within our our scope of capability to control and make perfect. And so if we have high standards, aim for greatness, but don't, don't obsess over perfection, then we can move on, right? If uh, our kid lost the spelling bee, okay, at least they were in the spelling bee. We have a kid. Great. Right. I mean, if, if we don't get the promotion at work, okay, there will be another day or there are other jobs, you know, it's just, we got to let things go. And, and, you know, when weather ruins an event, you can't freak out because it's weather. You can't control the weather. So right. you control what you can. Can you do something indoors or can you move on? But it's just knowing the difference. And I believe the Alcoholics Anonymous group has a uh, saying about that. It's power to, you know, control the things you can, let go of the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. And I didn't learn it there, but I've heard that they're pretty smart. And yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. We try to control too much and we'll definitely fail if perfection and control over everything is the goal. Yeah, for sure. I see that a lot in parenting, especially with teenagers. It's helicopter parenting where we try and control everything so that our children never experience any kind of letdown or disappointment. Is you know, I always say it's it's doing the the children a disservice. I mean, no, it's not comfortable to watch your child be uncomfortable, but if they're never uncomfortable, they don't build up that that grit and tenacity to get past things. <laughs> So it's funny you bring that up. So A, I think my success is based off of my failures. All my failures that punished me as a kid have have paid off in spades right now. And that really helped me through cancer and everything else. But when my daughter, when she was six, Ginger, you know, like we all love our kids. She's the light of my life. And she's in the spelling bee in first grade. And I pick her up after the spelling bee. It was during school, so I couldn't be there. It wasn't a show. It was just something they did in class. I picked her up. I said, how'd the spelling bee go, Ginger? And she just didn't answer me. She looked away. And I was like, are you, well, how'd the spelling bee go? She just didn't answer us. So I said, okay, well, let's go get in the car. We get in the car. And she instantly bursts into tears, just sobbing, sobbing. And I said, what went on in the spelling bee? I mean, clearly someone punched her in the face a whole bunch to make her cry this way. And she didn't win. She got second place. And she was so upset that she not only cried, she puked in my car. And I was like, what? Why are you so upset over not winning the spelling bee? So I thought, well, she has to learn to lose. Yeah. So I enrolled her quickly on a soccer team. I thought, okay, she'll play youth soccer. She'll lose. She'll get used to it and learn that there's, you know, you win some, you lose some. And son of a gun, they it was a year of low registration. So they combined a bunch of ages. And she was, she was sick. She had these two eight-year-old boys from, I think, uh, Nigeria. And they were rock stars. And so not only did Ginger not learn to lose, they beat every team by 10 to 12 to nothing or whatever. I was so upset watching these awesome kids score goal after goal. And her team went undefeated. And I thought, rats, I really wanted her to lose. But there you go, I couldn't control that. (laughs) I set her up for failure and we couldn't achieve that. I couldn't control that either. Oh boy. So, you know, there's small setbacks and there's big setbacks and cancer is definitely one that we could qualify as a big problem and a big setback to overcome. So can you tell us what made you decide to write this cancer comeback series and tell us just a little bit about the series itself? Yeah. So I I, like everybody else upon diagnosis, I definitely thought I was going to die. It was devastating. It was so scary. 
And the process, the whole treatment was brutal. It was very, very difficult. And I actually tried to keep as much of it private as I could. So while I was going through treatment, I had I worked publicly. So I had to make a little public statement to tell folks, hey, bad news, good news, bad news. I got breast cancer, good news. They said they're going to cure me. I'm going to show up and no pity will be accepted. You can root for me. You can cheer for me, but let's carry on as usual. So as I was going through treatment and people would say, how are you? No matter what was going wrong with me, I would say I'm fine. Typical woman stuff, right? I'm fine. I didn't, I just don't want to be pitied at worst. That's the worst thing I'll ever be is pitied. But I was keeping everything under wraps and I thought that was good for me or good for my business. I'm the beacon of health and happiness. My business is not about pain and suffering. So I didn't want to really harp on that too much. But I started to realize as things were going is, A, there was a whole bunch of funny things that happened. I thought people would get a kick out of so many weird, funny stuff that nobody talks about. And they never tell you chemo will ruin your fingernails. Mm -hmm. So fingernails, they rotted out on my hands. I had these rotten fingernails. They smelled rotten. It was crazy. And then eventually they ripped off my eyes, changed colors. I had all these bonker stuff and nobody was talking about it. So I thought, well, people would have a laugh. Other people that were going through it would probably really appreciate somebody getting honest with them and talking about the gory details that nobody else did. I mean, it's not a sob story, but it's the truth. Yeah. And and third, what I thought is, gee whiz, I've made some really good decisions and I've had miraculous results. So, you know, my business is about helping people do better and be better. And I, I feel like if I told some of these tales and explain why I made some decisions. It would help other people mm. not only make decisions in cancer, but in life. And so that's where my noisy cancer comeback, the memoir came from. And it's really point to point. It goes from this, you know, maybe a day before diagnosis to my final day of chemo. That's it. I don't talk about my grandparents. I don't bore you to death with my childhood. I just from A to B. And that book has really been, I think, a powerful tool for people with mental fortitude and resilience and so forth and decision-making. And then the other books you know, when I was halfway through my treatment, I, gosh, I was brutalized by cancer. I did all the, I, I did as much as I could right, but I was skeletally thin. I was dreadfully weak. It was about the time where, you know, a couple of things happened. My mom was saying, you need to eat. You look like you're in the Holocaust. And I was saying, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I'm doing the best that I can. Um, and about that same time, my doctor, my oncologist said, you're doing so great. And I said, I don't, what? I'm not doing great. He said, no, Fitz, you're doing so great. I'm so proud of you. And I said, Dr. Gordon, everything is wrong with me. My every, my innards are destroyed. My hair, my fingernails, my eyes, everything's gone wrong. Why are you saying I'm doing so well? He said, I'm not saying that you haven't suffered. However, because you were so healthy and fit coming into this, you have done so well. He said, honestly, I'm giving you the meanest drugs I give anybody. And you've been in the hospital one night, but there's a good chance you could have been in the hospital for a month. If you weren't so healthy and committed to nutrition and so forth, you might've been hospitalized for a month. You might've had a feeding tube, which puts you at, at risk for infection. So your health and fitness has really paid off. He said, and not only have you not been hospitalized for a month, you've been traveling the country, having more fun and adventure than most healthy people I know. He said, so Yes, you've suffered. Yes, you're beaten down, but you're really exceeding expectations because of your healthy habits. So all this happens about the same time. And I'm able to go to the gym after I've had surgery, which makes you, you know, take a little break, right? 
So I go into the gym. I'm super excited to strength train. I sit down on the machine and I poke the pin into where it used to be and I push and nothing happens. (laughs) So clearly I can't lift what I used to. I have to lower the pin and lower the pin and I lower the pin. I find that I am I've lost 80% of my strength at this point. It's kind of devastating. So there I'm the bald little skeleton who has no strength sitting in the machine in the gym. And I had a couple of revelations. You know, number one, I understand why people feel nervous when they go in the gym and they're no good. But I but I was able to say, well, you're in the gym. So you're awesome. Everyone in the gym is a winner, right? And then I thought, you know, if I were not a fitness expert, this might be the moment where... I burst into tears and run out of the gym, go home and hide out and give up. Yeah. Because devastating weakness. I was so weak and the the numbers were there to prove it. But instead I thought, well, gee whiz, I'm a fitness expert. I know exactly how I'm going to rebuild my body. I had no doubt in my mind that I would recover, rebound from this weak little skeleton and get back to strong and vibrant and athletic again. Lucky me. But at that same time, I felt like I really agonized for my peers, for the millions of cancer patients around the world, all ages, all genders, all type of cancers who are thrashed by their disease or their treatment. And they have zero idea how to rebuild their body, right? They have no clue because even though a nurse and a doctor will say, you should exercise, you're more likely to reach remission, less likely to have a recurrence if you exercise and eat right. They'll all say that, but they're not fitness experts. They don't know how to help their patient do that. And what's a greater obstacle then chemo and radiation and surgery. And so I thought, well, I need to help these people. I went online. There are no books directly pointed to helping cancer patients and survivors use exercise and nutrition. So I wrote the book. I wrote Your Healthy Cancer Comeback. And I, I take people from diagnosis and help them navigate each stage at their highest and their lowest. And there's hundreds of photos in the exercise section, not only regular standing on your feet photos, but here's how to exercise in a chair. Here's how to exercise in bed. There's, I had tons of stay in bed days, but I rarely did nothing. I would do leg lifts or I would stretch. And so that was valuable to me when I got in the shower because I was super sick. I took five showers a day. I was always stretching in the shower. And so can we control the things that we can? Can we Do what you can when you can. The answer is yes, even with something as awful as cancer. And I mean, these books have been so wildly successful. I've had feedback from both patients and oncologists around the world saying, this has been very impactful. This was useful. I'm I'm back to living vibrantly because of them. So, and, And there's the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal too, which helps people document their progress from sick to strong. But yeah, I mean, I... I wouldn't go back and have cancer. You know how people say, oh, it turned it into a good thing and thank goodness for the cancer. I'm not that lunatic. I would not go back and flip the cancer switch. But was I able to make lemonade? I think I have. And and I love helping people. Yeah, that's amazing. And thank you for offering that resource to the world because I think sometimes the patients that I treat with cancer, you know, we get so fixated on getting rid of the cancer. And that's really an important thing to to focus on. That's certainly high priority. But what do you want life to look like afterwards? How do you want to move your body? And how do you want to feel, you know, once you regain your health? And what can you do throughout is it's big. You know, cancer is a metabolic disease in, in some ways. So well, you know, it's interesting. 
The other train of thought that I, it's rampant and it's a real problem is everybody has that aunt peg. I'm going to give, that's the name I give her. But this person (laughs) in their life that says, no, you have to rest. You have to stay in bed. Just rest, 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 isolate. Don't see anybody. And I just think, oh my gosh, the worst thing ever because, you know, strength matters. Stamina matters. Flexibility, mobility prevents you from injury. Balance training matters because who really wants cancer and a broken hip. That's nobody. So, you know, movement is really going to help people just feel good, perform well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just so necessary. It's so necessary. So my my goal for this book, it's pretty big, but you know how every pregnant person gets what to expect when you're expecting? (laughs) My goal is for every cancer patient from here on out to have your healthy cancer comeback passed to them upon diagnosis so they can have the absolute best outcome and preserve all of the health that they have throughout the process. Absolutely. That's wonderful. I love that. So where can people find and buy your books? Are they on Amazon? Yeah. So the books are available wherever books are sold. However, I love it when they come to fitness.com. So we sell them out of my home office. That's F-I-T-Z as in zebra, N-E-S-S. And I incentivize that. I sell them as a package, a three-pack, the Cancer Comeback three-pack at discounted rates. And I sign every book to leave my office and I throw in a special gift and I wrap it beautifully so my readers feel special. And I would say the great majority of my books are purchased as gifts. So okay. you know, when someone's diagnosed, people think, oh my gosh, I wish I could help. And you know what? They probably have enough blankets. They probably have enough scarves. They could use this information that will actually be life-changing for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I listened to a podcast not too long ago talking about how to build an online course or something. And I remember them saying, just just know that you're 10% ahead of anybody in your audience. And I think that's really important because we assume that people know how to exercise in bed or how to do some strength training in a chair. And and not everybody knows even the most basic concepts in your book. So it's really important that we don't assume that our loved ones, you know, know everything. So yes, you're right. And I wrote it in layman's terms. So I just had a pediatric oncologist, uh, William Slayton from the University of Florida Health System. He just said, it's perfect. You know, it's perfect. It's understandable for everybody. And my goal was for it to be on that eighth grade level. You can read at an eighth grade level, you can understand all of the advice, all of the guidance, and you can use it. Great. Wonderful. Is there anything that you'd like our audience to know about cancer? Anything we've discussed before we wrap up? Well, your health matters. Don't wait. Don't wait until somebody looks you in the eye and says you have cancer because really, you know, when that happens, nothing else matters. Your right. your fancy purse doesn't matter. Your car doesn't, nothing matters other than your health. So prepare your body to do battle today because mm-hmm. you never know when injury or illness will strike. And if you are fit and healthy going into any sort of crisis, you will be far more likely to rebound and recover. And for those out there that are the chronic caregivers that are taking care of everybody else, you also need to take care of your health because those people you're caring for, they need you to be in top form or, you know, the house, it's that house of cards, right? We, our health matters, your health matters. You are not selfish for going to the gym, for going for a walk, for choosing healthy food over whatever 
your spouse wants, you have to prioritize your health. And I promise everything in your world will get better if you do. Yeah. And I love, I love that you say, don't wait for the diagnosis. I think that that's huge because I think there is an attitude out there of I'll eat whatever I want and I won't bother to move because you know, at least half of people will get cancer anyway. Well, (laughs) some of the lifestyle habits that aren't super healthy could lead to cancer. But even if the cancer is completely unrelated, like you said, babies get cancer. You know, there are elements to the cancer story that we have no idea about, but you will increase your odds of survival. And there's such a, a mental health aspect to keeping yourself fit that just from that perspective, you'll be better equipped mentally through your physical health to deal with a cancer diagnosis. You know what? It's so interesting. I mean, whether you run marathons or whether you do that Pilates class at the gym, all of these efforts you make are training your brain to keep going, yeah. to not give up, to persevere, to encourage yourself. That's the type of self-talk we need. I tell you what, that little voice in my head, I owe her big time. She is a queen of all things good in the world because there were so many times where I needed her I needed her to give me the courage to put one foot in front of another, to walk into chemo number 20. You know, I knew what was going to happen. Chemo number one was scary. Chemo number six was way scarier because of the known, right? It's not unknown anymore. I was fully aware of what I was getting myself into. And so she kept telling me, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You can do this. You can do hard things. She allowed me to stay still when I was in tight scans. I'm a claustrophobic person. That's not a good time. But if people get in the habit of talking themselves up instead of putting themselves down, mm. ugh, everything in the world gets better. So if you if you focus on fitness and nutrition and all these things now, which require some psychological fortitude, those yeah. skills will carry you through anything and everything. Amazing. Well, thank you, Fitz. As I usually do, I share all of the contact information for my guests in the show notes. So fitzness.com, that's fitzness.com. Dot com. Please reach out if you have someone, a loved one with cancer. This will make a great gift for them. If you yourself have a recent diagnosis, please don't hesitate to grab one of Fitz's books and get in touch with her. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Midlife Rise and Thrive podcast. If you are enjoying what you hear each week, be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and review, letting me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. See you later.